Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Welcome to this latest episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. And today we're speaking with Reverend Kathleen Kilborn on this call and vocation team sponsored show. Kathleen is the director of the Center for Deacon Education at Pfeiffer University and has been serving as a deacon in the conference since the beginning of the Order of Deacons. Uh, She's been a Christian education practitioner for many years and is now shaping the lives of Christian educators and deacons in the church. We're going to find out more about her in this half hour. So welcome to the show, Kathleen. Well, thank you for having me, Mike. Uh, Looking forward to our time together. Yeah. So uh, knowing that 30 minutes goes real quickly on this show, um, we're just going to start out with a few questions. So uh, for everyone who doesn't know Kathleen Kilborn and uh, you have been doing your work with Pfeiffer and other places for a while, but there are folks that still don't know who you are. Give us a little background. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? You know, the basics of uh, how it all started. Well, believe it or not, I am part of a uh, little-known group called Native Floridians. I grew up in Orlando, Florida, before Disney discovered uh, my hometown. Hmm. I uh, grew up Southern Baptist and was um, very active. My family is very active in church my entire life. And uh, But my mom was from Raleigh, North Carolina, so I would go to the Carolinas in the summertime. And so when I began to look for colleges, my brother was already at High Point College, now university. And since I always kind of just followed in his footsteps, I thought I would go to North Carolina as well, but uh, ended up um, at Pfeiffer um, because it had the degree program that met my needs and then remained there in the Carolinas and served churches and now back at Pfeiffer. So um, it was a great place to grow up, a great faith-filled family, um, but loved the Carolinas as well. I can understand that. Um, so the degree program you did at Pfeiffer, was it, was it Christian education? Yes, I tried to follow my brother, and my brother was like, he wanted to go someplace and be my brother always than me being his little sister. And after I got over the initial of that really hurting my feelings, <laughs> I realized that um, I was really, uh, I didn't know it was a call at that point. I just had a heart for Christian education, and my mom actually met a recruiter at a college fair uh, while I was at work, and they had a program in Christian education at Pfeiffer, and we toured seven or eight colleges and universities in North and South Carolina, 
and the recruiter at Pfeiffer stayed till way past 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon because I hadn't shown up yet. This was in the day before cell phones, and that just really impressed me that she waited around on a Friday afternoon for me to arrive, and the minute I got there, I just knew that that was the place for me, and it was a fabulous four years. I uh, It really is I guess really kind of part of my call story, but it was interesting as people told me that, well, being a Baptist going to a Methodist school, that no um, Baptist church would ever hire me with a Methodist education and that no Methodist church would ever hire a Baptist. And so I started out proving people wrong because I have served um, both denominations um, with my Methodist degree from Pfeiffer, I was still a Baptist for a couple of years before I transitioned over to the Methodist Church. Okay, and you mentioned your call story. Let's talk about that. How how did you receive your call? How did you know that your calling was to do what you're doing? Well, I'd really have to say that my call has just always been a part of who I am. From my earliest memories, I can't even remember a time that church was not a central part of our family. My parents were at church every time the door opened. In fact, it wasn't until I was an adult that really I realized that my mom um, truly was a Christian educator. She majored in recreation, but she met my dad. She was working as a youth director at a church in Greensboro where she went to college. And she would have probably pursued that, except she lived in a time and in a generation where the wife stayed at home and raised the family. So my mom was the ultimate volunteer and modeled that out. And Mm. my dad did, too. Uh, He was there. He'd come from work and eat cold uh, Wednesday night suppers. And my church was really the place where people encouraged me and believed in me and gave me opportunities to be in leadership. My family moved to a suburb of Orlando when I was six years old, so I didn't go to school with anybody I went to church with. So my faith community and my school community were two really defined groups, and how I was treated, um, how I was included, how I was accepted was starkly different both places. So very early on, I was very drawn to my church family, so much so with my family. My dad was from Oklahoma, and my mom was from Raleigh, so I didn't have extended family around that I called all of my parents' friends aunt and uncle. Hmm. I didn't refer to anybody as Mr. and Mrs., and really my church family just always felt like family. Even during the tough middle school years, I can remember marking on my calendar Wednesday and Sundays because that's when I got to be with my church family and with Mm. my church friends. So it began to really inform me while I had the same pastor my whole upbringing from the age of three to when my parents moved when I was 19. I really, the impact of the lay people, the Sunday school teachers, the missions counselors, the um, youth counselors, 
were the ones who it finally dawned on me, wow, these people could be doing something else. But they um, believe in their faith and want me to have a strong faith too. But then I began to think, I want to give back. It turned out that my senior year, my junior year of high school, our church w- went through a transition where we didn't have a youth director, and mm. I was the president of the youth group that year. Now, looking back as an adult, I probably wasn't as fabulous as I thought I was at the time, but I really had a sense that I, quote unquote, ran the youth group, and I loved it. Uh, mm. I loved um, helping other young people um, create and lead events. And the adults um, stood back and seemingly had a lot of confidence and gave me a lot of opportunities that not only as a young person, but remember, I was in a Baptist church. Um, I was a woman. I had no Mm. women role models for ministry. I had a music minister one time. A lot of time the uh, youth director position was the minister of music and youth. So if you weren't in the choir, you really didn't have a youth group experience. But other than Jerry Graham, who was a very strong, capable uh, woman, all my other role models for ministry were men. That didn't seem to deter me. I went to Pfeiffer, this major in Christian education. I never had anybody tell me, you know, you know you're a woman, right, and you're probably not going to get hired by anybody. But I never had anybody say, oh, you know, you really have the gifts for ministry. You really ought to pursue serving in ministry full-time as a profession. And yet I didn't apply anywhere else. I didn't look at any other kind of degree program. I just was focused in that this was the direction that I was called and honestly compelled to live out. And as I continued to follow that, the doors continued to open, and I continued to, to serve uh, throughout that um, time. The, um, I did not pursue ordination because the ordination as an elder did not define my call. And yet I saw myself as a minister. I can remember one time I led in worship and a really kind person in my congregation, and I know they meant it as a compliment, came out and said, you know, Kathleen, you do a really fabulous job leading worship. Have you ever thought about going to seminary and becoming a real minister? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I thought, wow, I I thought what I was doing is real ministry. Mm -hmm. My work with young people was so rewarding, and it really came from having people who believed in me and encouraged me and really gave me a sense of belonging in the family of faith, I wanted to do that for other young people. And so for 18 years, that's what I did, primarily served in the areas of youth and young adult ministry um, and pursued the path of diaconal ministry because at the time that was that to me was my ordination. It was a path that truly reflected my call to serve in areas of specialized ministry. So it wasn't until 96 when the order of deacon became available, I was actually consecrated a diaconal in 95. So it was before the order began. I was in the first class of diaconals who 
was uh, required to go through the Board of Ordained Ministry and actually be interviewed. Hmm. And I will have to be honest and say I was not happy about that at first because I felt like the process that I'd been through was not being valued. However, in retrospect, I look back and I see that it was just part of an important part of my process that I experienced that part of the journey for the next phase of ministry that God was calling me to live out. Because it was once I was ordained, I had already begun my work at Pfeiffer as the director of the Master of Arts in Christian Education program. And I began to serve and knowing that because of my role to be invited back to Pfeiffer, they intentionally made a decision to have a program director who had served as a Christian educator. They thought that maybe instead of having a faculty member who could teach in the program, maybe someone who had walked the road of the students, who had gone to graduate school as a working adult and having a family, might be able to help create a path that would make theological education more accessible and achievable for folks who were answering God's call, whether to lay professional ministry or we didn't even know at that time there would be an ordination track available and make that possible. So during the early years, our program quickly doubled in size because I was able to help create a format where classes were offered in some creative formats that made it possible for working adults to come to school either part-time or Mm full-time. Once the order of deacon came into being, I became to be an advocate that we offer the coursework needed for folks pursuing deacon's orders through our campus in Charlotte. Now, this was an eight-and-a-half-year process of seminary after seminary telling us no for a variety of reasons. In fact, it became such a long period of being told no. My uh, direct supervisor at the time Uh, Dr. Ed Trimmer said, you know, Kathleen, this really isn't your job. And I said, you know, you're right. It's not. But it's my calling. Hmm. Because I would have never been a diaconal minister, except that Pfeiffer had formed a partnership with Methesco Seminary, and professors from Methesco would come to the campus in Meisenheimer uh, in May and offer a two-week intensive. And I was a student while still serving a church full-time, being married and having a five-year-old child. So I knew what it was like to be a student and trying to juggle ministry, family, and school. Mm. So throughout my now getting ready to start my 20th year of helping students navigate the paths of ministry and job and life and everything that's involved, they really have become my congregation truly is the Center for Deacon Education in addition to being the director of the Master of Arts in Practical Theology has opened the door for so many folks to um, answer the call that God placed upon their lives. To have folks sit in my office and look across the table from me and say, for 20 years God's been calling me. I need to make a difference in the lives of others. In fact, they don't even use the word calling. They go, Mm. I just need to do something that makes a difference. 
in the lives of other people. And I look back at them and have the privilege of saying, that's a calling. They can't Mm. believe it. They cannot believe that God could actually use them. And they come from wide variety of backgrounds. I mean, from accountants to teachers to psychology. I even have a graduate who had a degree in animal husbandry. She had to explain to me what that means. She now serves as a deacon in the uh, Ohio conference. So Hmm. we even have a reach of folks throughout the denomination who come our way. Very cool. Well, I knew that we would uh, give you a lot of opportunity to talk. Now I'm going to give you the hardest question you have. Uh, And we ask all the call and vocation team show uh, people the same question is, how would you describe your call in one or two words? Well, as you can already tell, keeping me to one or two words sounds almost impossible. But two words come to mind, and they're both verbs. The first one would be compelling. Hmm. As I hope my call story kind of shows, as each door opened, it was just compelling me to keep walking, to keep going, to keep pursuing, regardless of where it looked like there wasn't a path out in front of me. The other word that I would have to say is evolving. Hmm. I think the... the uh, compelling part of a call is that it's, for me, is that it's constantly evolving. What I started out doing, I still believe in, I feel called to, and yet it has evolved to where instead of being the hands-on person in youth ministry, I am now helping others be engaged and be involved and hands-on in youth ministry. So it's still related, but has evolved in a way that I could have never imagined in the beginning. Mm. So compelling and evolving are the two words. I'll tell you what, we're going to take a little break right now, and then we'll come back and we'll get even further into your work at Pfeiffer. So here's a word from our call and vocation team. Hello, I'm Jim Parsons, the chair of the Call and Vocation team for the Western North Carolina Conference. We are thrilled to partner with UM Connect to bring you some unique conversations in 2016. Our team is focused on cultivating a culture of call within our conference. For more about our work, please visit us at isgodcallingme.org. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build a church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people, as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes, and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. And you can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina at the sponsor page on our show's website, which is umconnect.info. And so we're back with Kathleen Kilborn, and um, we've talked about your call. We got those last two words. And so let's talk about uh, your role at Pfeiffer. You've been there since 1997. Talk about uh, the changes since the beginning at Pfeiffer. I know that you've had a number of job titles. You've taken on a number of roles. But um, tell us um, how that work has changed over the last, uh, what, 19 years. Can you imagine that? 
I know. Who I have been at Pfeiffer longer now than I served local churches, which doesn't really seem possible, but it has. And I think part of how that uh, has happened is that it continues um, to evolve and, and to change and different needs. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was brought on as the first full-time director of a program that was started in um, 1989. Dr. Bill Benfield uh, was the first director. And as typical of academic programs, normally a grad program is directed by a person who also teaches in the program. And so what we learned, what Pfeiffer dedicated itself to was that this program really needed someone who could actively recruit and network and use a relationship with um, persons out in the field to personally engage and invite and encourage them to come and participate in the program. And so that's what my skill set uh, was attractive to Pfeiffer. So I do not teach. I do everything but teach which puts me in a little bit different role in an academic setting because most people are uh, faculty members and teach. But my relationship with especially the Methodist Church and with the Western North Carolina Annual Conference really gave me an inroad to actively uh, connect and network and really grow the program. So initially, the program was a Master of Arts in Christian Education. It was designed to help lay folks be certified with the United Methodist Church through the General Board of Higher Education and Ministry. So we had a couple of tracks, but it was mainly to help prepare folks to serve in age-level ministries within the church. As ministry has evolved and the work of the church has been more engaged and connected with the community, back in 20, what, 2006 was when we finally were able to connect with Wesley Seminary. As I mentioned before, eight and a half years with countless seminaries telling us no, we finally connected with Wesley Seminary, who has a similar mission to Pfeiffer is in preparing folks to serve uh, in church and in the community. I had had the privilege of hearing the president of Wesley speak, Dr. David McAllister Wilson, and I just could tell from his um, passion that Wesley and Pfeiffer had a similar mission, and that has come to reality. So since 2006, we've been offering the coursework necessary for deacon, for a person pursuing deacon ordination, the requirement through the discipline is a master's in a specialized area of ministry plus basic graduate theological studies that must appear on a Wesley transcript. Hmm. So that fits perfect with the Master of Arts in Christian Education program at Pfeiffer, as well as some folks come who already have a master's degree say, in counseling or social work or psychology or higher education, um, other areas that can be matched in connecting the ministry of the church and the world. So as that program continued to evolve, in 2010, we decided to redesign and expand our master's program and change the name of it to Master of Arts in Practical Theology. 
It includes our hallmark programs in Christian education and age-level ministries, but that's one track. And then we added three additional tracks, one Hmm. in pastoral care and counseling, which we offer through a partnership with the pastoral care department at Carolina Healthcare, another track in mission evangelism, which incorporates many of the courses that are required for deacon ordination. And then lastly, through the work of our Masters in Business Administration and our Masters in Organizational Leadership, we offer a church administration track. So it offers folks the uh, umbrella class, uh, excuse me, program of the Master of Arts in Practical Theology with a core curriculum that has a strong biblical and theological foundation, then folks choose one of these four tracks, age-level ministries, pastoral care and counseling, uh, mission evangelism, or church administration. Then even with each one of those tracks, there are a couple of elective spaces that allow students to then take courses from the other tracks to even more completely round out their uh, education in more areas of ministry. This has really evolved from the order of deacon in our desire to connect the church with the world and really take the church out to the world. And as my friend Chris Hughes likes to say, build a bridge where there's traffic going both directions from the church to the world and from the world back to the church and that it's not a one-way street either direction. So it really opens up a lot of pathways that while we could have still offered those through the Master of Arts in Christian Education, uh, it's hard. it was harder for folks to see how their calling to a specialized area of ministry could be embraced through what they typically saw as something you did within the four walls of the church. Okay. Now, how long would it take a typical student to to get that degree? Um, And I realize there's no such thing as a typical student. Um, They come from all walks of life. But um, your average student to go through that process, how long does it take? The Master of Arts in Practical Theology is a 42-hour program. And all as With the other graduate programs at Pfeiffer, six hours is considered full-time for a working adult at the graduate level. Mm -hmm. So if you took six hours a term, seven terms, uh, typically about two and a half years, some of our courses are on a two-year rotation, uh, but most of our students take um, three to three and a half years, I would say, is the average because of life and sometimes there's terms you can't take six hours or depending on when the classes are offered. One of the unique things our program does offer that if a student wants to pursue a master's degree and the courses in deacon education, while everything is on a two-year rotation, we allow you to transfer in 15 hours of the coursework for deacon into the degree. So you can Mm. actually complete all your educational requirements in a total of 54 hours. So this not only is done um, with great stewardship of time, 
but it's also not as financially devastating. As for so many folks, as you can imagine, this is a second career for them, and they uh, have mortgages and other responsibilities, as well as maybe still carrying debt from their undergrad degree, and they are very intentional about not running up a lot of debt. So this Mm -hmm. makes it achievable, affordable, and accessible uh, with our formats of having classes meet once a week and in a three-weekend format, as well as a few classes available online. Okay. So um, any suggestions? And I know that if I turn you loose, it may go a long way, but um, one suggestion for someone who might feel the call or the urge to work in educational ministries in the church or become a deacon in the church, what would you say to them? I would encourage them to dip their toe in the water and come and take one class. Hmm. One class. Um, All of our courses are fully accredited. We've had some folks who've started and then really discerned that they had a call to elder. Well, they could transfer their work and, and do that. Another path that's an easier way in that I haven't mentioned is professional certification through the United Methodist Church and the Presbyterian Church. You can be professionally certified with taking five courses. And what a lot of folks do is they will start off with that track. There is a stipend from the General Board of Higher Education and Ministry that pays about a third of the tuition. That's also a great incentive. Uh, They take these five courses because they are for graduate credit. They then go, well, I'm almost halfway through a master's degree. I might as well continue. So then Mm. then they come on and finish the degree. But thinking about taking five courses doesn't sound as daunting as taking 14. So there are ways to get started. But I do uh, encourage folks to come and take one course because it is so hands-on and so personally gratifying that even folks who do that still see it as a valuable experience, even if they don't decide to stay and finish a degree. Some institutions do require that you take a minimum number of hours once you enroll. Pfeiffer does not. We will allow you to take one course, two courses, as many courses as you'd like. And once you start our program, you have up to seven years to complete it. So you do have time if you have to take some breaks that you can do that as well. Oh, that's excellent news. Well, we're we're basically running out of time, but um, uh, like I do with all my guests, I give them the last word. And so, you know, what would you say to folks listening to the show, knowing that um, they can listen to it any time they want and as many times as they want? Uh, What's your last word for uh, folks uh, hearing your show? I encourage them just to give me a call. I am happy to talk to anyone, um, whether they end up being my student or not. Uh, Note, the only bad question is an unasked question. And Mm. I really do see this as my calling. It's not just a job for me. And I will answer you by email. Uh, My phone numbers are in on the website and any of the information that's out, I would like to help anybody I can answer the call that God's placing upon their life because God's placed a call on all of our lives. As baptized Christians, we are all called to make disciples and transform the world. No doubt about it. Well, thanks for giving your time this morning, and I know that you've got other things to do, but I appreciate your giving us this time this morning. 
Well, thank you for asking. It's been a joy. Thank you. Yeah. And thanks, everyone, for listening to us on blogtalkradio.com. It's going to be uh, available as a podcast there at the show's website, umconnect.info, and we're on iTunes as well. And we're going to be back next week connecting United Methodists and their stories. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect.